Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and I want to welcome the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. Now, if you have logged in as a guest, and I see a few guests in the chat room, and you wish to participate in the chat, oh, I'd love to have you just log in through your Facebook account or Blog Talk Radio. Well, I am so happy and excited about the show tonight. I met my guest last year at the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, and she was one of several recipients of the Living Legacy Award from the association. She has so, so many accolades. She was selected, elected, and installed by her people to be the first queen mother, head pandibode, and official spokesperson for the Gullah Geechee Nation. As a result, she is responsible respectfully referred to as Queen Quet, Chiefess of the Gullah Geechee Nation and Head of State. Queen Quet Maqueta L. Goodwin is a published author, computer scientist, lecturer, mathematician, historian, columnist, preservationist, environmental justice advocate, environmentalist, film consultant, and the activist. She is the founder of the premier advocacy organization for the continuation of the Gullah Geechee culture, the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. She is one person that we should all be so proud to hear speak tonight. So let me give a warm welcome 
to Queen Quet to research at the National Archives and beyond. Welcome. Well, thank you, thank you, Sister Bennett. How honored to do this evening. Doing well, and you, uh, thank you for just agreeing to come on tonight because you have so much to share with us. So let's start off with just talking about the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. What What is the mission of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition? Well, part of we mentioned and things like that, and for let people understand who we be and things like that, and let them get it the way we the talk and where the way we the crack we teeth and things like that. Like the snow when Hunter Venom pronounced that thing, it a head funded body. We going let Hunter get that thing right there. It a head funded body, which means head of state. And so many yes. times, a lot of times, people have not heard our language spoken. So mm-hmm. when they do try to see it in writing, they're like, whoa, what is that? You know, or yes. they hear us speak and they go, whoa, what is that? <laughs> um, and so with the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, we have been able for the last 17 years, because actually today is exactly one month away from our 17th anniversary. Wow. Yes, we are rapidly approaching our 20th year, and when the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition came into existence, there were no other organizations in the world that existed with Gullah Geechee in the name. And Mm -hmm. there were no organizations or documents or things that you would find where Gullah and Geechee were written together. You would find documents where they referred to Gullah, or they referred to Geechee. But for us, we needed to ensure that the world understood or overstood, as I love to say, that people that are on the Sea Islands from Jacksonville, North Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida, are one people. And so mm-hmm. that's why when we write it, you see that Gullah has the slash and then Geechee, not even a dash, because we, we don't want to be minus anything. But yes. it is there, so we have a connecting point. And so with the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, we advocate for the rights of Gullah Geechee people worldwide. We promote and participate in the preservation of Gullah Geechee history, heritage, culture, and language. And even today we let people know we don't just deal with preservation, we deal with continuation. Mm-hmm. And we also work toward land reacquisition and maintenance of the ownership of land, as well as how to live from the land. And we celebrate our culture through artistic and educational means, especially through what we call grassroots scholarship and also electronically, like you and I are doing here tonight, um, that we're blessed to be able to communicate over all this distance. And it's very powerful to me to be on a show about the National Archives because many of the materials that the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition has and our Gullah Geechee Alkebulan archive, which is the only archive in the world totally dedicated to Gullah Geechee history, heritage, and culture, came from me actually doing research at the National Archive. And oh, being okay. able to find, yeah, find materials there that some people would overlook because, of course, they didn't write of us as Gullah Geechee in those materials. Well, why don't you help us, I mean, educate us a little bit more about the the archive and the materials that you were able to identify. Like, for instance, one of the things that is a great find uh, that took place when I first went to the National Archives, I went and I was trying to find what books were there, if there was anything they had when I would type in Gullah. And there were a few references here and there for books. But then I said, well, let me try a different route. 
let me start putting in sea islands and let me start putting in specific island names. So I put in St. Helena Island, which I'm a native of in South Carolina, and they actually had some materials come up from when there were, quote, unquote, the Negro schools. And so I started asking for those materials to be brought to me, and I was able to find the roles of the names of various schools that many people know about the Rosenwald schools. But right, there were also yes. other one-room schoolhouses. Rosenwald was just one major national benefit schools. But there were other people who gave to schools, like we had Town McDonald School in St. Helena, we had Rosenwald School, and we mm-hmm. had Penn School here. We had various schools. But now I was able to actually get a snapshot of a period in time to see how many students were in those schools. And what were the names of these different schools? And who were the teachers? And who were the principals? And that was an amazing find to come across. And then, of course, then I also started looking at Civil War documents because Mm -hmm. a lot of the mustering into service for, quote-unquote, the colored troops happened here in Beaufort County, South Carolina, and happened in Charleston, South Carolina. So we were able to find documents and actually see people's names you know, and see the dates that they came into service or see journal entries and documents from one general to another, like letters being written to Washington headquarters from Buford headquarters, you know, and saying this is what is taking place today or basically asking for advice on what they should do next um, and, and what happened at a particular, you know, combat and so on. So there's been so many interesting things and to find, and including finding occasionally sketches from Harper's Weekly. Yes, yes. The the Chapel of Ease here on St. Helena Island, it's ruins right now, and it's made of tabby and brick. And when I would see it, I always had this vision of the whole building and how it must have looked when it was built in 1740. Mm -hmm. Well, you talk about somebody who could have shouted the day that I found the Harper's Weekly sketch of it because it looked exactly like I had always had it in my mind, mm-hmm. that when it was a whole building and fully functioning. And so when we talk about going into archives, for me, it's like a big treasure chest. You know, <laughs> it sounds like it's a big treasure chest. Whoa, look at the richness I found, you know. And then right. to be able to bring it home and show it to the elders in the community, and they go, will you get this? Now, I have a question coming out of the chat. They want to know the name of the building again. Which one? The Chapel of Ease? The Chapel of Ease, yes. Yes, the Chapel of Ease. It's on St. Helena Island. Okay. And so with these documents, now you mentioned uh, and Al you'll have to pronounce it for me, Al Kabulan. yes. Yeah, Al Kabulan Archive, okay. Yes. And so where is Al-Kabulan Archives located? It is also on St. Helena Island. The Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition Center has the Al-Kabulan Archives. We have our Hunter Home Gullah Geechee Research Retreat Center so that researchers and reporters and other people that are coming down to the island that work with us and want to do research to the archives can also stay there. We also have artists that come and do retreats with us. 
And so we are in the process of still doing fundraising so that we can renovate one of our other buildings. And so that is right here on the island. We also have the Gullah Geechee Garden. Many people who are Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fans have seen many photographs from the Gullah Geechee Garden where we do interactive learning activities, including workshops with Gullah Geechee crafts, like handmade quilting, cabinet mm-hmm. making, and we also, of course, throw down with the fish frying thing like that. So Hana Tillin gets to do the food with and to get some things for damn fun. And All so right. we have a lot of great activities. And even some people have seen us on CNN International and saw myself in the Gullah Connection singing. That was in the Gullah Geechee Garden. And that was okay. also where that big oyster roast was going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes. But for those people who who don't know about the Gullah Geechee, could you just take us back a few centuries, if you will, and give us just a little history of the Gullah Geechee. Well, for those who aren't aware, the Gullah Geechees are the descendants of numerous African ethnic groups that were from Angola all the way through to the Windward Coast, Rice Coast region, and some from Madagascar. So we have Igbo, Mandinka, Malinke, Yoruba, Gola, Gizi, Mendi, Temni, Fik, Ibibio, and numerous other West African and other African ethnic groups that are part of our bloodline, who during the transatlantic slave trade in the 1600s first was starting to be kidnapped and then brought over to what is now Charleston, South Carolina, Charlestown. But yes. for 40%, over 40% of all Africans enslaved in North America came through the Gullah Geechee Nation and came through an island called Sullivan's Island back then. Mm-hmm. And during that time, Sullivan's Island had on it what were called pest houses or pestilence houses. So anybody who was a forced immigrant or an immigrant by choice, if you were coming from Europe, you would be taken into these pestilence houses and checked for disease before you could go out into the rest of what was then being formed as colonies. And Mm -hmm. so with many of the Europeans, they might stay three days, but the Africans could be there for three weeks to months, depending on how strong-willed you were. Because if you were a very strong-willed individual, then they wanted to season you or beat you, starve you, do anything to try to break your spirit, like people break horses many times, to then you sellable at the auction. And then the auctions would take place where the historic peninsula, where the city of Charleston is today. And there was a place that we call a rival square, where I'm on the board for the International African American Museum, and we're going to build it there because that was that port of entry where that over 40% of Africans came through and then would get sold all over what is now the historic peninsula of Charleston, South Carolina, and then get distributed out onto these sea islands. The Sea Islands did not have bridges then, and many of them don't have bridges today. So Mm -hmm. from the 1670s until now, you're talking about African people being on these islands with one another primarily and not with too many other interactions with other ethnicities other than indigenous Americans like the Kusabo, the Yemisee, the Adisto, and the Creek. And with, with us being together on these lands, all of those indigenous African people and then the indigenous Americans put together our language. So we're hundred yeti people are crack teeth like this thing like that and we the African and have been a crack teeth And so when you hear our language it is because this is how our ancestors who were Africans spoke. And it put uh-huh. that language together and then yes. we developed a dialect 
of the language when we started interacting more with people who spoke Elizabethan English and, and later American version of English. And then we started using loan words and developed Geechee, but the phonetic structure and the syntax are still African. So you mm-hmm. had African people now combining their food ways, their spiritual practices, their language to survive in a land that was not their own. And now being forced, though, to use their knowledge of engineering, of science, mm-hmm. of agriculture, mm-hmm. of healing, of herbology, of astrology or astronomy, whichever way you want to look at the study of the stars, so that they knew how to navigate these lands, how to plant here, where to clear, where to plant, and then them actually growing more rice than any other place outside of possibly the motherland or China ever grew, and having this rice be called Carolina gold, and then Mm -hmm. growing Mm -hmm. Sea Island cotton, a very specific breed of long staple cotton, which is kin to comedic cotton, and also indigo. So being enslaved in bondage, clearing these lands to grow things that were not here until they brought those items. So they brought brought that, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And also with, with architecture. You know, many people only look at the plantation era and think of field work. But yes. they don't think about the scientific knowledge and the architectural design and the skill of construction. The African people were the ones building these buildings. Those trees weren't getting cleared and just burnt or thrown away. They were being built into the cabins that our people stayed in, as well as the big houses that the people enslaving them stayed in. They mm-hmm. built everything and created every tool that they needed by hand, which is why the Angolans were, first, were the first groups kidnapped, because of their blacksmithing skills. So mm-hmm. when, when we look back all those centuries, you have to look at the brain trust that was brought over from the motherland and then placed in a new land to create a whole new cultural landscape. Yes, yes, most definitely. Now, there's a question coming out of the chat. How many islands are there in the chain of islands? Well, people often refer to there being 20 or 50 because they're talking about the larger islands that they're aware that people inhabit. But Mm -hmm. some years back, the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition worked with the South Carolina Coastal Conservation League on a number of issues to keep our environment more pristine, as people like to say. And they did an aerial view of our coastline and then had a computer do a count. And it came up with over 1,000 islands, getting close to 2,000, when you include the hummocks, as well as the larger islands. And hummocks are the ones that are less than 10 acres. And so those were often considered uninhabitable in the past. But I just left a meeting talking about zoning and planning issues. And people, of course, now are trying to build even on those little tiny islands, you Mm -hmm. see. And so that is... A, a major issue, and I see someone's asking now. The same person is asking how many. Right, occupied. how many are occupied? There, yeah, right. There are too many. There are too many to name. There are too many to count. Um, from Jacksonville, North Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida, there are a large amount of them that are occupied today because of this onslaught of destruction that others call development, where these were islands that we used for hunting 
as Gullah Geechee people, there are people now living on islands that we didn't think anybody was on. Oh, okay. Now that brings up another question. How many uh, what you would call Gullah Geechee landowners are still occupying the same land that their ancestors uh, occupied? The majority of Gullah Geechees, and there are approximately a million Gullah Geechees in, living inside the Gullah Geechee Nation, the majority of Gullah Geechees still live on family-owned land. Much okay. of that land is what is legally called heirs' property, meaning mm-hmm. that the heirs mm-hmm. own it as tenants in common. And we've mm-hmm. owned that land since 1862. During the U.S. Civil War, we became the first group of African people to own land in mass, and so many of us still own that land. I still, I'm calling you right now from family compound land that's been in my family since before 1862, but we legally got the deed in 1862, and mm-hmm. so definitely there is still there are so many Gullah Geechees and Gullah Geechee families that still live on the land that our ancestors had been enslaved on, that we could never even probably count them at all. Yes. Now, you know, I have to ask you this question simply because I've seen it on CNN about developers coming in mm-hmm. and uh, trying to get the uh, Gullah Geechee people to actually sell their land. What's happening mm-hmm. with that right now? Well, what is happening is that is an ongoing battle. That's an ongoing battle because what has happened for many years is when I mentioned heirs' property, people have been falsely told, your land is not worth anything. Um, You're not going to be able to do anything with that. Um, You can't really build on it. So let me just give you something for it. Now, see, right there to me, common sense should tell you, if it wasn't worth anything, the person wouldn't offer you anything. Yes, why do they want it? Mm -hmm. Why do they want it? Why would they want it? If it's no good to you, why would it be good to them? But people have fallen for that and then sold something that was worth $100,000 for $5,000 because they'd never seen $5,000 before all at once in cash. We've had situations where people were actually killed for their land because Mm -hmm. someone wanted to build a resort or gated area and as they kept approaching the families with those types of trickery about the land is not worth anything or you're not going to be able to build on it or, you know, you'd be better off take the cash, then people would still say, no, I don't care what you say. If I take that cash, I'll spend, that cash will be spent, and then where will I go? Where will I mm-hmm. be? Where will my children be? So mm-hmm. because they would not give up the land, we've had family, different individuals murdered to, so that their land could end up, um, available, or they were hoping they could then find a weak link or the rest of the family would be so intimidated that they would still then go ahead and sell it and just get out. So mm-hmm. we've had an ongoing battle ever since the 1970s, really, is when this started to become a major issue with the beginnings of, first it was Hilton Head Plantation on Hilton Head Island, and then Thrift Island Plantation. And then mm-hmm. after that, it became a marketing scheme, a la Gone with the Wind, to sell people this lifestyle of living on these islands and these plantations, you know. And so they started to market in this way and then to also market golfing and resort living. Yes. And that is yes. when many people started losing their land for taxes because what started to take place was, let's say, the Bennett property, is next to the good wine property, 
okay? Mm-hmm. So your mm-hmm. family and my family have been there since 1862, side by side, probably married into each other in the whole nine yards. But now, here it comes that someone in the Bennett family is in New Jersey. I'm just using yes. New Jersey as an example. Sure. They've never lived here, born and raised there, so they don't know anything about here. Well, the destruction company comes first to knock on your door. You said there's nothing here for sale. We're not selling anything. And knocking your cousins or uncles, aunties, everybody living there on the property. Nobody wants to sell. Well, they go research title on the property, and they find that this cousin is in Jersey. They mm-hmm. will send a letter to that cousin asking to buy this cousin's interest in land. The cousin's like, I don't even know nothing about no land down there. I never been down there. Well, fine. How much you want to give me? $5,000. I'll take it. They end up signing over their interest in that property. So now that company has that portion of that person's interest and will come and sue the rest of the family members that actually live there to make them try to sell it. And when the family says not going to sell it, they end up in court. A judge does what they call a forced partition sale, and they will make the family sell the property. Well, the other part of it is if now the Bennetts have sold their soul out, even though they didn't want to. They're sold out, so now this golf resort is built there. I'm still in my house, or my family's still on our property. We haven't changed even a doorknob, a window, or anything. But mm-hmm. because this multi-million dollar property is next to us now, our assessment value on our land goes up because yes. of what else is there and who else wants to buy in and live there. So it's like they've created a market. This is a desirable commodity now. So because there are buyers, they sellers mark the seller ups the price tags. Now, because your land is assessed at a higher value, the county taxes you at a higher value. Mm-hmm. And then people can't pay it because you might have been paying $50 for 10 acres of property for years, and now you get a tax bill in one year that says, oh, now it's $500 or it's $1,000, you're 80, 90 years old. You've always just scuffled, farmed, lived from the water, so you knew you had your little $50 ready for when the tax bill came. Where are you going to get the other 450 now when this new mm-hmm. tax bill comes? You have mm-hmm. no means to do it. So, And then you don't understand the whole process of what just happened. So when you don't pay it, your land gets auctioned off, and the same people who wanted to get it from you for 5000 may get it for just 500 because that's what you owe the county. Oh, that that's just sickening. That is so sickening. Now, from the uh, Sea Island Coalition perspective, what are you doing as an advocate, or how are you educating the, the people to understand, the, number one, the value of the culture, the Gullah Geechee culture, and keeping that alive and also uh, keeping the land. I mean, how are people, let's say, in California or New Jersey or other places around the, the United States really understanding what's going on? Well, there are so many different things that we do on an ongoing basis online. As I mentioned earlier, we have Gullah Geechee Nation. We have a fan page there for the Gullah Geechee Nation. And if people go and become fans, they will find that every day we post information on current issues, how people can assist us, whether we're doing petitions, letter-writing mm-hmm. campaigns, rallies, 
taking it to the street or we're having a celebration. They will know because it will be posted there. If they're on Twitter, we have at Gullah Geechee on Twitter or Gullah Geechee folks on Twitter. And if they follow us, they will also get tweeted every day to know what is happening here. And we post videos on Gullah Geechee TV, which yes. you can access yes. on YouTube. Yes, so mm-hmm. that people who've never heard the language, never seen the landscape, or were Gullah Geechee, they know their ancestry is Gullah Geechee, that they've done the genealogical research, like you were mentioning, that your show helps people understand how to do it, that they found out, oh, my goodness, I got family from the Sea Islands. Now what? <laughs> you know, yes. Now what? <laughs> so, so it's like they can go to Gullah Geechee TV and now learn everything from things about how to live from the waterway to learning about land issues to understanding what is Air's property to seeing some of the festivals that actually have gone on if they missed it to, you know, a plethora of things, all the different things that go into making up a culture. We try to capture and show on Gullah Geechee TV, or we discuss on our blog talk show, which is Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. So if people go to GullahGeecheeNation.com, and Gullah is G-U-L-L-A-H, Geechee is G-E-E-C-H-E-E, no I in Geechee, okay? So GullahGeecheeNation.com. That is our blog, and that's our official website as well for the nation. And if you go to the top of that page, you can click on there and get to various topics, and you can also get directly to Gullah Geechee TV and Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. And Gullah Geechee TV is also at www.gullahgeechee.tv. So these are ways that we keep educating people worldwide, especially keeping Gullah Geechees who may be in the military, may have moved yes. to urban environments, like you mentioned, could be in California, could be in Colorado, could be in Michigan, could be in Canada. They could, they are then aware of what's still going on at home. I have had so many people write to us and say, thank you for this, because yes. I was not aware that mm-hmm. these issues were this critical now. I did mm-hmm. not know this was going on. I didn't know they were still after our land. So it is a blessing to be a computer scientist and be able to know how to navigate these types of mechanisms and be able to share this kind of information. And it's a blessing to have folks like you on the air, too, that say, well, I want you to come on my show so that my audience can know what's going on, too. As we say, what a going on down yelling thing like that, And also in person, yeah, we have Heirs Property Workshops where we educate families not only about what is Heirs Property, but also what legal tools they can use to form family LLCs or be a part of land trusts or put easements on land. We also do a lot of legal battles. I have been to court so much that lawyers now, almost it's like an accusation, (laughs) they get me in a deposition and spend 15, 20 minutes trying to break me, saying, you're an attorney, right? You're an attorney, right? But you have to be an attorney. And I'm saying, um, no, I don't have a license to practice law. But they they know that I have come to know the law so well, they don't mm-hmm. believe that I didn't go to law school, okay? Because <laughs> I've had to fight for our sacred grounds, had to fight to get legislation changed to protect waterways, to stop, you know, bridge building of too long a length or to these small hummocks. I mean, it has been an ongoing thing with research and understanding. But what I learn, I teach from. And so we go around, my group, the Gullah Connection, and I travel the world, 
and we do do workshops and we do concerts, we do histomusical presentations to educate people also through dramatic presentations and songs, music, and dance. Everybody mm-hmm. doesn't learn linearly. So yes, as African right. people, when we bring it in and we can enact it for you or reenact it before you, then it sticks. There's mm-hmm. an experience that's happening. And then people will say, wow, I, don't, I never read about you all because maybe I'm not into reading or watching the news. I never heard about you on the news. But tonight I learned something, and now I want someone else to know what I learned. And so it's been, it's been really a wonderful thing being able to have so many different means by which we can educate and so many different means by which we can share. And I've written a number of books that people can find at gullahgeechee.biz, gullahgeechee.biz, that also will educate people about what the issues have been, what they are, and the things that we are even doing now to still stem off um, these battles. And I saw someone even ask that we do tours for visitors. Yes, we do. And that's another way that we educate people when they're coming to visit us. We do the Gullaroot Experience Tour, and that was a tour that I originated before there were other tours that were called Gullah Tours at all. And then it seemed like after the Gullaroot Experience Tour started, all these other tours started popping up, um, Mm -hmm. calling them Gullah Tours. And so it's been really interesting because a lot of people are doing it because there's tourist dollars to be made where we're doing it to educate people and to galvanize people into getting an understanding of who we be down here and why we the dear Panisia Island and why we go see you. Well, we have a question coming out about language and dialect. And has any of the language and the dialect is it still being spoken? And you just said something, so let's say more about the language and the dialect. Any or I did that accent answer any? Take my at it. So yes, I'll still be spoken. So I think that's asked and answered. Um, so yes, our language is still being spoken throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation and different parts of the world where Gullah Geechees are, where they are together. Because if they are apart from other Gullah Geechees, then of course they don't have the opportunity to dialogue. Um, and people try to get them to monologue, it doesn't work. So, yes, and if you go to Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page, we'll repost some of the videos that have been done um, about our language and the things that we're doing to continue to use our language. But it is a spoken language. It's not a written language. So I tell you right now, beware of these books that are out there on Amazon and other places that people are selling saying this yes. is a Gullah language and a Gullah dictionary and you can learn Gullah in 15 minutes. I don't care if the person's of African descent or not of African descent. If they wrote such a book, it's not true, okay, because our language is a spoken language. And as I always tell people, there's folks here that's been married to some of us for 50 years. All they do is listen for their name, okay? So <laughs> they don't understand the language. So it's not the easiest thing to learn. But, yes, we are keeping it alive. And okay, I think so, someone asked about yes. cultural differences, too. Yes. Yeah, and there are, yes, there are. There are some cultural differences um, in regard to mindsets um, throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation and different Gullah Geechee communities. And it all depends on the history of those communities. As we sort of outlined earlier, it wasn't so much because of the variation of the Africans, because the Africans all blended in to become Gullah Geechee here. So whether it's Fonte or Shanti or any others, they blended all in here. So whenever we get visitors from any 
of the other African countries that our culture comes out of, they all see parts of themselves uh, mm-hmm. here. So that part is not the issue as much as the acculturation and westernization. So the closer Gullidichis were in proximity to those who were enslaving them, the yes. difference in their mindset and the lack of the language. So you'll have some people who can understand Gullah but can't speak it at all and only speak in English, or they may be able to speak a little bit of Geechee, like that happened a lot on a lot of the Georgia Sea Islands, and wherein that's because the people enslaving them were over them and with them every day all the time. And so they had a lot of influence, wherein, say, on St. Helena Island, where I'm from, there weren't any Anglo people living on here at all. And so it was well into, I guess, the 1900s when you really had Anglo people living here after the 1700s when Beaufort County was first formed, where they tried to live here and then moved off into the town of Beaufort because of the mosquito population and beliefs that we turn into animals at night and scares that there would be uprisings in the whole nine yards. So when they moved up these islands, we were autonomous even during chattel enslavement, and we were here together. So the mindset of people on one island about what you do to unify, how you keep the land, continuing to speak the language, is not necessarily the same everywhere else because some of the other places people had more influence from the people who had been keeping them in bondage for a much longer period of time than in, in some other communities. But culturally, it's still the same. The, the food's the same. The statements are the same. There may be just a difference in the variation of how people say it dialectically, just like American English has different dialects of it throughout the country. And American English is a dialect of British English. So you will find that. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a, a question. Of mm-hmm. Right. And, and believe it or not, time is going so quickly. Fast. But I, I do need to ask you this question. Please tell us, what is the Gullah Geechee cultural heritage? Are you there? Yes. What is yes, the Gullah okay. Geechee the Gullah cultural, cultural heritage, heritage Act? Yes. Yeah, okay, the Gullah Geechee Cultural itself. Heritage Act, yes. It was a an act of the U.S. Congress that I and Dr., and not Dr., but Congressman James Clyburn fought for side by side for many, many years. Um, nine years of my life it took for us to get the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Act passed. And what it is, and it was the first act ever done in the United States to actually focus on a cultural group of people of African descent. That's the first Mm -hmm. thing. And Mm -hmm. this act now created a national heritage area, which is the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Corridor. The Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Corridor runs through the Gullah Geechee Nation. It comes from the Cape Fear region of North Carolina and ends at St. Augustine, Florida, because we extended it past the Jacksonville, North Carolina boundary due to Fort Monsey there. But this was a national act of the U.S. Congress that the Congress had to be educated, number one, of the existence of Gullah Geechee culture, and then to be educated to say why it was important to American history and why it is a part of American history that needs to be told and why this culture needs to have assistance from the federal agencies and the state and local governments to help protect it, not displace it. And so now that act has a number of partnerships that are underway now. I led uh, the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Corridor Management Plan. I was the chair of that. 
and I also was the first implementation and initiative coordinator um, for the Corridor Commission, which I served on for two terms, and my term just completed as of July of this year. And so now it's wonderful to actually see the implementation because yesterday I almost I almost wrecked my car because I was slowing down to try to see was I seeing correctly because finally <laughs> – the sign, the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Corridor sign that I and a member of the National Park Service were a two-person subcommittee of that corridor commission. We worked on getting that signage together. Those signs are actually up now. So when people travel what was originally called the King's Highway, Highway 17, coming into the Gullah Geechee Nation, they'll see them as they stop at visitor centers in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. They'll see banners that talk about the corridor, and you're coming right into the Gullah Geechee Nation and through it. So that act has helped to at least get people who weren't knowledgeable of us and because and were in positions making laws and doing things on this land with federal land and blocking us out of it to say, oh, no, we actually need to be talking to you, and we need to be working with you. And so definitely that was a major triumph because it became the 37th National Heritage Area in America and the only one that was dedicated to black people, that was dedicated to people of African descent, people that were Gullah Geechee at all. And so that was something that, I mean, we heard from people all over the country beating drums to say, what? Y'all did what? This is great, you know. This is and great. So this it, is, it, this yeah. is wonderful. This is wonderful. Yeah. Well, look, would you believe it's getting close to, to closing out the I show? See. But I do. I, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's like counting down, and I, I need you for two hours. You have so <laughs> much <laughs> You have so much to share with us, so would you please come back and and oh, talk yes. more about Gullah Geechee because we need to know, we need to understand, we want to understand. And I'm seeing, you know, here Clarence Thomas I'm and Michelle Obama are from yes. Gullah and Joe Frazier was Gullah. So it's so yeah. many people that we could talk about. So I just want to thank you so much for coming in tonight and, and sharing this information with us. Everyone, go on the website, find out as much as you can, and please, I would love to have you back on the show. I would love to be back, and I definitely want everyone that's on your show to please make sure you donate to the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy Fund, and you can email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com. That's GoGeeco at AOL.com, G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AmericaOnline.com at any time, and we can give you updates. We can add you to our mailing list so you know what's going on, and that way we can stay in touch in, in between these times that I'm on the air because I know Sister Bernice is not going to play. She booked this show way back at the beginning of the year because actually that was <laughs> this year. Actually, this year is going by fast, but I got that Living Legacy Award this year. And That's right. And another winner of that award was Gullah Geechee. Dr. Najma Thomas was there. That's she right. That's right. Yeah, and and also uh, she wasn't able to attend, but another sister, Mary, who led the hospital strikes in Charleston, she won that award this year. So it's been a blessing, and it has truly been wonderful being able to see you face-to-face, but, of course, hear your voice again here tonight. And I see your folks are blowing up the chat room with questions about the culture. So email me, and I can answer all those. Yes, we still see the culture in in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. There are Geechee's there. 
still keeping it alive. And, of course, we write up on the islands and things like that. could keep them alive, too, and things like that. And so I was hoping we were going to get a chance to take some calls tonight. But like you said, this time is ticking right on down. It's ticking right on down, but we're going to have to do it. And this time we're going to have to schedule an hour and a half. Yes. <laughs> okay? Yes. Okay, yes. so everyone, please join me. I want you to know that I actually have a show on Monday, Monday, November the 25th at 3 o'clock, and we're going to have April Hines and Reverend Fred Morton, and they're going to discuss the Wanderer Project. And, you know, could you believe someone uh, in 1950, her, her grandfather discovered an African face jug, and so we're going to talk about this on Monday, so please join me. Also, uh, on Sunday, you can listen to me on the gospelisgolden.com from 4 to 6 p.m., so you can always hear this show again. Of course, you can always hear me. Uh, this show is archived, so please uh, listen to the archived show. So thank you so much, Queen Quet, and remember... Your ancestors left footprints, just as we just heard about the Gullah Geechee. Therefore, please follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, and research at the National Archives and beyond. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. I look forward to you tuning in on Monday. Good night. Thank you so much for joining the show. And remember to listen to the African Roots Podcast tomorrow and Antoinette Harrell on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Good night, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.